You're listening to Zi Xin Liu's The Three-Body Problem. 12. Red Coast 2 Yao wasn't given a real job immediately after entering Red Coast Base. Under the watchful eyes of a security guard, she was only allowed to perform a few technical tasks. Back when she was still a second year in college, Ya had already known the professor who would end up being her thesis advisor. He had told Ya that to do astrophysics research, it was useless to excel at theory without knowledge of experimental methods and observational skills. At least, that was true in China. This was very different from her father's view, but Ya tended to agree with her professor. She had always felt that her father was too theoretical. Her advisor was one of the pioneers of Chinese radio astronomy. Under his influence, Ya developed a great interest in radio astronomy as well. Thus, she taught herself electrical engineering and computer science, the foundation for experiments and observations in the field. During the two years when she was a graduate student, the two of them had tested China's first small-scale radio telescope and had accumulated a great deal of experience in the area. She hadn't expected the knowledge would one day be useful at Red Coast Base. Eventually, Ya was assigned to the transmission department to maintain and repair equipment. She quickly became an indispensable part of their operations. Initially, this confused her a bit. She was the only person at the base who wasn't in a military uniform, and given her political status, everyone kept their distance. She had no way to ward off the loneliness other than devoting herself to work. However, this wasn't enough to explain why they relied on her so much. This was, after all, a key defense project. How could the technical staff here be so mediocre that she, who had not majored in engineering and who had no real working experience, easily took over their jobs? She learned the reason soon enough. Contrary to appearances, the base's staff was composed of the best technical officers from the 2nd Artillery Corps. She could study all her life and have no hope of catching up to those excellent electrical and computer engineers. But the base was remote, the conditions were poor, and the main research work of the Red Coast project was already completed. All that was left was maintenance and operation, so there was little opportunity for achieving any interesting technical results. Most people did not want to be indispensable because they understood that in highly classified projects like this, once someone was put into a core technical position, it would be very difficult for him to be transferred out. Thus, all of them tried to deliberately hide their technical competence as they went about their jobs. Yet they couldn't appear too incompetent, so if the supervisor said to go east, they would work hard to move west, purposely playing the fool. Their hope was to put the following thought into the supervisor's head. This man is working hard, but he's limited in his skills. There's no point in keeping him, because he'll only get in the way. Many really did successfully obtain transfers through this method. Under such conditions, Ya gradually became a key technician at the base. But the other reason that she could achieve this position puzzled her, and for that she could find no explanation. Red Coast Base, at least the parts that she had contact with, had no real advanced technology at all. 
Over time, as Yak continued to work at the transmission department, the restrictions on her were gradually relaxed, and even the security guard assigned to watch her was called off. She was allowed to touch most components of Red Coast's systems and could read the relevant technical documents. Of course, there were still areas forbidden to her. For example, she wasn't allowed near the computer control systems. However, Yeah discovered that the impact of those systems on Red Coast was far smaller than she had imagined. For instance, the transmission department's computers consisted of three machines even more primitive than DJS-130. They used cumbersome magnetic core memory and paper input tape, and their longest uptime did not exceed 15 hours. She also saw that the precision of Red Coast's targeting system was very low, probably not even on par with that of an artillery cannon. One day, Commissar Lei came to speak with Ye. By this time, Yang Weining and Lei Zicheng had swapped places in her eyes. During those years, Yang, as the highest-ranked technical officer, did not enjoy a high political status, and outside of technical matters, he had little authority. He had to be careful with his subordinates and had to speak politely even to the sentries, lest he be deemed to have an intellectual's resistant attitude toward thought reform and collaboration with the masses. Thus, whenever he encountered difficulties in his work, Yeah became his punching bag. But as Yeah gained importance as a technical staff member, Commissar Lay gradually shed his initial rudeness and coldness and became kind toward her. Commissar Lay said, Wencia, by now you're pretty familiar with the transmission system. This is also Red Coast's offensive component, its principal part. Can you give me your views of the system as a whole? They were sitting at the lip of the steep cliff on Radar Peak, the most secluded spot on the base. The cliff seemed to drop straight off into a bottomless abyss. At first, the spot had frightened Ye, but now she liked to come here by herself. Ye wasn't sure how to answer Commissar Lay's question. She was only responsible for maintaining and repairing equipment and knew nothing about Red Coast as a whole, including its operation, targets, and so on. Indeed, she wasn't allowed to know. She wasn't even permitted to be present at the transmission. She pondered the question, began to speak, and stopped herself. Go ahead, speak your mind, Commissar Lay said. He ripped out a blade of grass next to him and played with it absentmindedly. It is just a radio transmitter. That's right, just a radio transmitter. The commissar nodded, satisfied. Do you know about microwave ovens? Yeah, shook her head. They are a luxury plaything of the capitalist West. Food is heated by the energy generated from absorbing microwave radiation. At my previous research station, in order to precisely test the high temperature aging of certain components, we imported one. After work, we would use it to warm manteau bread, bake a potato, that sort of thing. It's very interesting. The inside heats up first, while the outside remains cold. Commissar Lay stood up and paced back and forth. He was so close to the edge of the cliff that it made Yeah nervous. Red Coast is a microwave oven, and its heating targets are the enemy's space vessels. 
If we can apply microwave radiation at a specific power level of one-tenth of a watt to one watt per square centimeter, we'll be able to disable or destroy many electronic components of satellite communications, radar, and navigation systems. Yeah, finally understood. Even though Red Coast was only a radio transmitter, that didn't mean it was conventional. The most surprising aspect was its transmission power, as high as 25 megawatts. This wasn't just more powerful than all communication transmissions, but also all radar transmissions. Red Coast relied on a set of gigantic capacitors. Because the power requirements were so high, the transmission circuits were also different from conventional designs. Yeah, now understood the purpose of such ultra-high power in the system, but something seemed wrong right away. The emission from the system seems to be modulated. That's right. However, the modulation is unlike that used in conventional radio communications. The purpose isn't to add information, but to use shifting frequencies and amplitudes to penetrate possible shielding by the enemy. Of course, those are still experimental. Yeah, nodded. Many of her questions had now been answered. Recently, two target satellites were launched from Jiquan. The test attacks by Red Coast were completely successful. Temperature inside the satellites reached nearly a thousand degrees, and all instruments and photographic equipment on board were destroyed. In future wars, Red Coast can effectively strike at the enemy's communication and reconnaissance satellites, like the KH-8 spy satellites on which the American imperialists rely, as well as the KH-9, which are about to be launched. The lower-orbit spy satellites of the Soviet revisionists are even more vulnerable. If necessary, we even have the capacity to destroy the Salyut space station of the Soviet revisionists and the Skylab station that American imperialists plan on launching next year. Commissar, what are you telling her? Someone spoke behind, yeah. She turned and saw that it was Yang Weining who stared at Commissar Lei severely. Uh, this is for work, Commissar Lei said, and then left. Yang glanced at Ye without saying anything and followed Lei. Ye was left all by herself. He's the one who brought me here, but he still doesn't trust me. A disconsolate Ye thought. She was worried about Commissar Lei. At the base, Lei had more authority than Yang. Since the commissar had the final vote on most important matters, but the way he rushed away with Young seemed to indicate that he felt the chief engineer had caught him doing something wrong. This convinced Yeah that Lay had made a personal decision to tell her about the true purpose of the Red Coast project. What will happen to him as a result of this decision? As she gazed at Commissar Lay's burly back, Yeah felt a wave of gratitude. For her, Trust was a luxury that she dared not wish for. Compared to Yang, Lei was closer to her image of a real military officer, possessing a soldier's frank and forthright manners. Yang, on the other hand, was nothing more than a typical intellectual of the period, cautious, timid, seeking only to protect himself. Even though Ye understood him, the wide gulf already between them grew wider.
The next day, Yeah was transferred out of the transmission department and assigned to the monitoring department. At first, she thought this was related to the events of the day before, an attempt to move her away from the core of Red Coast. But after arriving at the monitoring department, she realized that this was more like the heart of Red Coast. Even though the two departments shared some resources, such as the antenna, the technology level of the monitoring department was far more advanced. The monitoring department had a very sophisticated and sensitive radio receiver. A ruby-based traveling wave maser amplified the signals received by the gigantic antenna. And in order to minimize interference, the core of the reception system was immersed in liquid helium at negative 269 degrees Celsius. Periodically, a helicopter came to replenish the supply of liquid helium. The reception system was thus capable of picking up very faint signals. Yeah, couldn't help but imagine how wonderful it would be to use the equipment for radio astronomy research. The monitoring department's computer system was also much bigger and more complex than the one at the transmission department. The first time she entered the main computer room, Yeah saw a row of cathode ray tube displays. She was stunned to see programming code scrolling across each of them, and the operators were free to edit and test the code using the keyboard. When she learned programming in college, the source code was always written on the grids of special programming paper, then transferred to paper tape using a typewriter. She had heard of input using a keyboard and screen, but this was the first time she had seen it. The software available astonished her even more. She learned about something called Fortran, which allowed you to program using a language close to natural language. You could even type mathematical equations directly into the code. Programming in it was several times more efficient than programming in machine code. And then there was something called a database, which allowed for easy storage and manipulation of vast amounts of data. Two days later, Commissar Lay sought Yeah out for another talk. This time they were in the main computer room of the monitoring department, in front of the row of green glowing screens. Yang Weining sat close by, not part of their conversation, but also not willing to leave, which made Ye very uncomfortable. Wenxia, uh, Commissar Lei began. Let me explain the work of the monitoring department to you. Simply put, the goal is to keep an eye on enemy activities in space, including intercepting communications between enemy space vessels and the ground, and between the space vessels themselves, collaborating with our telemetry, tracking, and command centers to determine the orbits of enemy space vessels and provide data for Red Coast's combat systems. In other words, the eyes of Red Coast are here. Young interrupted. Commissar Lay, I don't think what you're doing is a good idea. There's no need to tell her these things. Yeah glanced at Yong and anxiously said, Commissar, if it's not appropriate for me to know, then... No, no, Wencia. The Commissar held up a hand to stop Yeah from speaking. He turned to Yong. Chief Yong, I'm going to tell you the same thing I did before. This is for work. For Wencia to perform her duties better, she must be told the purpose of her work. Yong stood up. I will report this to our superiors. 
That is your right, of course. But do not fret, Chief Young. I will assume responsibility for all consequences. Young got up and left with a bitter expression. Don't mind him. That's just the way Chief Young is. Commissar Lay chuckled and shook his head. Then he stared at Ye, and his tone became solemn. Wencia, when we first brought you to the base, the goal was simple. Red Coast's monitoring systems often had interference caused by electromagnetic radiation from solar flares and sunspots. Fortuitously, we saw your paper and realized that you had researched solar activity. Among Chinese scholars, your predictive model turned out to be the most accurate so we wanted to ask for your help in solving this problem. But after you came, you showed very strong abilities, so we decided to give you more responsibilities. My thought was this. Assign you first to the transmission department, then the monitoring department. This way you'd gain a comprehensive understanding of Red Coast as a whole, and we could wait and see where to assign you after that. Of course, as you can see, this plan is met with some resistance. But I have trust in you, Wencia. Let me be clear. Until now, the trust placed in you has been mine, personally. I hope that you can continue to work hard and earn the trust of the organization as a whole. Commissar Lay placed a hand on Yaz's shoulder. She felt the warmth and strength conveyed through it. Wencia. Let me tell you my sincere hope. One day, I'd like to call you Comrade Yeah. Lay stood up and strode away in the confident manner of a soldier. Yeah's eyes were filled with tears. Seen through them, the code on the screen became flickering flames. This was the first time she had cried since the death of her father. As Yeah familiarized herself with the work of the monitoring department, she discovered that she was far less successful here than at the transmission department. The computer science knowledge she had was outdated, and she had to learn the software techniques from scratch. Even though Commissar Lay trusted her, the restrictions on her were severe. She was allowed to view the software source code, for example, but was forbidden from touching the database. On a day-to-day -day basis, Ya was mainly supervised by Yang, he became even ruder to her and would get angry at her for the smallest things. Commissar Lay talked to him about it multiple times without effect. It seemed that Yang became filled with a nameless anxiety as soon as he saw Ya. Gradually, as Ya encountered more and more unexplainable matters in her work, she came to realize that the Red Coast project was far more complex than she had imagined. One day, the monitoring system intercepted a transmission that, after being deciphered by the computer, turned out to be a few satellite photographs. The blurry images were sent to the General Staff Department's Surveying and Mapping Bureau for interpretation. They turned out to be images of important military targets in China, including the Naval Harbor at Qingdao and several key factories of the Third Front Program. Analysis confirmed that these images came from the KH-9 American Reconnaissance System. The first KH-9 satellite had just been launched. 
Although it mainly relied on recoverable film capsules for intelligence gathering, it was also being used to test out the more advanced technique of radio transmission of digital images. Due to the technology's immaturity, the satellite transmitted at a low frequency, which increased its range of reception sufficiently for it to be intercepted by Red Coast. And because it was only a test, the encryption was not very secure and could be broken. The KH-9 was without a doubt an important monitoring target, as it presented a rare opportunity to gather more information about American satellite reconnaissance systems. Yet, after the third day, Yang Wei-Ning ordered a change in the frequency and direction of monitoring and abandoned the target. Ya found the decision incomprehensible. Another event also shocked her. Even though she was now in the monitoring department, sometimes the transmission department still needed her. One time, she accidentally saw the frequency settings for a few upcoming transmissions. She discovered that the designated frequencies for transmissions 304, 318, and 325 were lower than microwave range and could not result in any heating effect in the target. One day, an officer summoned Ya to the main base administrative office out of the blue. From the officer's tone and expression, Ya knew that something had gone wrong. As she walked into the office, the scene before seemed familiar. All the senior officers of the base were present, along with two officers she didn't know. However, she could tell at a glance that they were from higher up in the chain of command. Everyone's icy stares focused on her but the sensitivity she had developed over the stormy years informed her that she wasn't the one in big trouble today. She was, at most, a sideshow. She saw Commissar Lay sitting in a corner with a dejected look. He is finally going to pay for trusting me, she thought. At once, she decided that she would do whatever she could to save him. She would take responsibility for everything, even lie if necessary. But Commissar Lay was the first to speak, and what he said was completely unexpected. Yeah, Wincia, I must make it clear at the start that I do not agree with what is about to be done. The decision was made by Chief Engineer Young after requesting instructions from our superiors. He alone will be responsible for all consequences. Commissar Lay turned to look at Young, who nodded solemnly. Lay continued. In order to better utilize your skills at Red Coast Base, Chief Engineer Young repeatedly requested permission from our superiors to abandon the cover story we've been using with you. Our comrades from the Army Political Department, he indicated the two officers Ya didn't know, were sent to investigate your work situation. Finally, with the approval of our superiors, We've decided to inform you of the true nature of the Red Coast Project. Only after a long pause did Ya finally understand Commissar Lay's meaning. He had been lying to her all along. I hope you will treasure this opportunity and work hard to redeem your sins. After this, you must behave with the utmost propriety. Any reactionary behavior will be severely punished. Commissar Lay stared at Ya. He was a completely different person from the image Ya had formed of him. Are we clear? Good. Now Chief Yang can explain. The others left, leaving only Yang and Ya. 
if you don't want this, there's still time. Yeah discerned the weight behind these words. She now understood Yang's anxiety whenever he had seen her the last few weeks. To make full use of her skills, it was necessary for her to know the truth about Red Coast. However, this choice would extinguish the last ray of hope she had of ever leaving Radar Peak. Once she said yes, she really would spend the rest of her life at Red Coast Base. I agree, Yeah said, softly but resolutely. Thus, on this early summer evening, as the wind howled through the giant parabolic antenna, and as the forest rustled over the greater Kingan Mountains in the distance, Yang Weining explained to Ye Wenxia the true nature of Red Coast. It was a fairy tale for the ages, even more incredible than the Commissar's lies. 13. Red Coast 3 Selected Documents from the Red Coast Project These documents were declassified three years after Ye Wenxia told Wang Miao the inside story of Red Coast and provide background information for what she told him. 1. A question largely ignored by trends in fundamental world scientific research. Originally published in Internal Reference, xx xx 196 x Abstract. Based on modern and contemporary history, there are two ways in which the results of fundamental scientific research can be converted into practical applications, gradualistic mode and saltatory mode. Gradualistic mode, theoretical fundamental results are gradually applied to technology. Advances accumulate until they reach a breakthrough. Recent examples include the development of space technology. Saltatory mode. Theoretical fundamental results rapidly become applied technology, leading to a technological leap. Recent examples include the appearance of atomic weapons. Until the 40s, some of the foremost physicists still thought it would never be possible to release the energy of the atom. But atomic weapons then appeared within a very short period. We define a technology leap to occur when fundamental science is converted to applied technology across a great span in an extremely brief time interval. Currently, both NATO and the Warsaw Pact are intensely active in fundamental research and investing heavily in it. One or more technological leaps can occur at any time. Such an occurrence will pose a major threat to our strategic planning. This article argues that our focus is currently on the gradualistic mode of technology development, and insufficient attention is paid to the possibility of technology leaps. Starting from a higher vantage point, we should develop a comprehensive strategy and set of principles so that we can respond appropriately when technological leaps occur. Fields where technological leaps are most likely. Physics. Omitted. Biology. Omitted. Computer science. Omitted. The search for extraterrestrial intelligence. SETI. Of all fields, this is the one in which the possibility for a technology leap is greatest. If a leap occurs in this field, the impact will exceed the sum of technology leaps in the other three fields. Full text. Omitted. Instructions from Central Leadership. 
Distribute this article to appropriate personnel and organize discussion groups. The article's views will not be to the liking of some, but let's not rush to label the author. The key is to appreciate the author's long-term thinking. Some comrades cannot see beyond the ends of their noses, possibly because of the greater political environment, possibly because of their arrogance. This is not good. Strategic blind spots are extremely dangerous. In my view, of the four fields where technology leaps may occur, we have given the least thought to the last one. It's worth some attention, and we should systematically analyze the matter in depth. Signed, XXX. Date, XX slash XX slash 196X. 2. Research report on the possibility of technology leap due to the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. 1. Current international research trends. Summary. 1. The United States and other NATO states, the scientific case and the necessity for SETI are generally accepted and strong academic support exists. Project Ozma. In 1960, the National Radio Astronomy Observatory at Greenbank, West Virginia, searched for extraterrestrial intelligence with a radio telescope 26 meters in diameter. The project examined the stars Tau Ceti and Epsilon Eridni for 200 hours using ranges near the 1.420 gigahertz frequency. Project Ozma 2, which will involve more targets and a broader frequency range, is planned for 1972. Probes. The Pioneer 10 and Pioneer 11 probes, each of which will carry a metal plaque containing information about civilization on Earth, are scheduled for launch in 1972. The Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 probes, each of which will carry a metal audio record, are scheduled for launch in 1977. The Arecibo Observatory in Puerto Rico, constructed in 1963, this is an important instrument for SETI. Its effective energy collection area is about 20 acres, which is greater than the sum of the collecting areas of all other radio telescopes in the world. When combined with its computer system, it can simultaneously monitor 65,000 channels and is also capable of ultra-high energy transmissions. 2. The Soviet Union Few sources of intelligence are available, but there are indications that large investments have been made in the field. Compared to NATO countries, the research seems to be more systematic and long-term. Based on certain isolated information channels, plans are currently underway to build a global-scale, very long baseline interferometry, VLBI, aperture synthesis radio telescope system. Once the system is completed, it will possess the world's most powerful deep space exploration capabilities. 2. Preliminary analysis of social patterns of extraterrestrial civilizations using a materialist conception of history. Omitted. 3. Preliminary analysis of the influence of extraterrestrial civilizations on human social and political trends. Omitted. 4. Preliminary analysis of the influence on current international patterns due to possible contact with extraterrestrial civilizations. 1. Unidirectional contact. Only receiving messages sent by extraterrestrial intelligence. Omitted. 2. Bidirectional contact. Exchange of messages with extraterrestrial intelligence and direct contact. 
omitted. 5. The danger and consequences of superpowers making initial contact with extraterrestrial intelligence and monopolizing such contact. 1. Analysis of consequences of American imperialists and NATO making initial contact with extraterrestrial intelligence and monopolizing such contact. Still classified. 2. Analysis of consequences of Soviet revisionists and Warsaw Pact making initial contact with extraterrestrial intelligence and monopolizing such contact. Still classified. Instructions from Central Leadership. Others have already sent their messages out into space. It's dangerous if extraterrestrials only hear their voices. We should speak up as well. Only then will they get a complete picture of human society. It's not possible to get the truth by only listening to one side. We must make this happen, and quickly. Signed, XXX. Date, XX slash XX slash 196X. 3. Research Report on the Initial Phase of the Red Coast Project XX slash XX slash 196X Top Secret Number of Copies, 2 Summary Document Central Document Number XXXXXX Forwarded to the Commission for Science, Technology, and Industry for National Defense, the Chinese Academy of Sciences, and the Central Planning Commission, Department of National Defense. Disseminated at the XXXXXX Conference and the XXXXXX Conference. Partially disseminated at the XXXXXX Conference. Topic Serial Number 3760. Codename, Red Coast. 1. Goal. Summary. To search for the possible existence of extraterrestrial intelligence and to attempt contact and exchange. 2. Theoretical study of the Red Coast Project. 1. Searching and monitoring. Monitoring frequency range, 1,000 MHz to 40,000 MHz. Monitoring channels, 15,000. Key frequencies to monitor. Hydrogen atom frequency at 1,420 MHz. Hydroxyl radical radiation frequency at 1,667 MHz. Water molecule radiation frequency at 22,000 MHz. Monitoring target range, a sphere centered around Earth with a radius of 1,000 light-years, containing approximately 20 million stars. For a list of targets, please see Appendix 1. 2. Message Transmission Transmission frequencies, 2,800 MHz, 12,000 MHz, 22,000 MHz. Transmission power, 10 to 25 megawatts. Transmission targets, a sphere centered around Earth with a radius of 200 light-years, containing approximately 100,000 stars. For a list of targets, please see Appendix 2. 3. Development of the Red Coast Self-Interpreting Code System. Guiding Principle. Using universal basic mathematical and physical laws, construct an elemental linguistic code that can be understood by any civilization that has mastered basic algebra, Euclidean geometry, and the laws of classical mechanics, non-relativistic physics. Using the elemental code above and supplemented with low-resolution images, gradually build up to a full linguistic system. Languages supported, Chinese and Esperanto. The entire system's information content should be 680 kilobytes. 
Transmission times at the 2,800 MHz, 12,000 MHz, and 22,000 MHz channels are 1,183 minutes, 224 minutes, and 132 minutes, respectively. 3. Implementation Plan for the Red Coast Project 1. Preliminary Design for the Red Coast Monitoring and Searching System, still classified. 2. Preliminary Design for the Red Coast Transmission System, still classified. 3. Preliminary Site Selection Plan for Red Coast Base, omitted. 4. Preliminary Thoughts on the Formation of Red Coast Force from Within the 2nd Artillery Corps, still classified. 4. Content of Message Transmitted by Red Coast. Summary. Overview of Earth, 3.1 kilobytes. Overview of Life on Earth, 4.4 kilobytes. Overview of Human Society, 4.6 kilobytes. Basic World History, 5.4 kilobytes. Total Information Content, 17.5 kilobytes. The entire message will be sent after transmitting the self-interpreting code system. Transmission times of message at the 2,800 MHz, 12,000 MHz, and 22,000 MHz channels are 31 minutes, 7.5 minutes, and 3.5 minutes, respectively. The message will be carefully vetted by a multidisciplinary review to ensure that it will not give away the Earth's coordinates relative to the Milky Way. Among the three channels, transmission at the higher frequency 12,000 MHz and 22,000 MHz channels should be minimized to reduce the likelihood that the source of transmission may be precisely ascertained. 4. Message to Extraterrestrial Civilizations First Draft Complete Text Attention you who have received this message. This message was sent out by a country that represents revolutionary justice on Earth. Before this, you may have already received other messages sent from the same direction. Those messages were sent by an imperialist superpower on this planet. That superpower is struggling against another superpower for world domination so that it can drag human history backwards. We hope you will not listen to their lies. Stand with justice. Stand with the revolution. Instructions from Central Leadership This is utter crap. It's enough to put up big character posters everywhere on the ground, but we should not send them into space. The Cultural Revolution leadership should no longer have any involvement with Red Coast. Such an important message must be composed carefully. It's probably best to have it drafted by a special committee and then discussed and approved by a meeting of the Politburo. Signed, XXX. Date, XX slash XX slash 196X. Second draft, omitted. Third draft, omitted. Fourth draft, complete text. We extend our best wishes to you, inhabitants of another world. After reading the following message, you should have a basic understanding of civilization on Earth. By dint of long toil and creativity, the human race has built a splendid civilization, blossoming with a multitude of diverse cultures. We have also begun to understand the laws governing the natural world and the development of human societies. We cherish all that we have accomplished. But our world is still flawed. Hate exists, as does prejudice and war. Because of conflicts between the forces of production and the relations of production, 
Wealth distribution is extremely uneven, and large portions of humanity live in poverty and misery. Human societies are working hard to resolve the difficulties and problems they face, striving to create a better future for Earth civilization. The country that sent this message is engaged in this effort. We are dedicated to building an ideal society where the labor and value of every member of the human race are fully respected, where everyone's material and spiritual needs are fully met, so that civilization on Earth may become more perfect. With the best of intentions, we look forward to establishing contact with other civilized societies in the universe. We look forward to working together with you to build a better life in this vast universe. 5. Related Policies and Strategies 1. Consideration of policies and strategies after reception of message from extraterrestrial intelligence. Omitted. 2. Consideration of policies and strategies after establishing contact with extraterrestrial intelligence. Omitted. Instructions from Central Leadership It's important to take the time out of our busy schedules to do something entirely unrelated to our immediate needs. This project has allowed us to give some thought to issues we've never had time for. Indeed, we can think through them only when we take a sufficiently high vantage point. This alone is enough to justify the Red Coast Project. How wonderful it will be if the universe really contains other intelligences and other societies. Bystanders have the clearest view. Someone truly neutral will then be able to comment on whether we're the heroes or villains of history. Signed, XXX. Date, XX slash XX slash 196X. You've been listening to The Three-Body Problem. Subscribe to this podcast so you can stay up to date on the newest installments of this enthralling sci-fi adventure. Or if you just can't wait, you can buy the audiobook of The Three-Body Problem, as well as the next two books in the series, wherever books or audiobooks are sold.